Welcome to Nomina's Mental Health Mavens. I'm your host, Joanne, and every Sunday we bring you mental health and addictions experts on a variety of topics, including advanced evidence-based therapies. Guest opinions are their own, and some content may be triggering. Our mission here and on our Nomina Wellness YouTube channel is to make exceptional mental health support accessible to everyone. So make sure to subscribe, give us that five stars, and maybe even share with a friend. So let's get to it. This is episode six of Mental Health Mavens, and today we're talking to Samantha Hunt about trauma and EMDR. I'm very excited to talk to Samantha, so why don't we dig right in and welcome her. So Samantha, welcome. We are very excited to have you here. Now you're going to talk to us a little bit about trauma-informed therapy, so do you just want to give us an overview of what that is? Uh, So I guess we could start Uh, by talking about trauma and what trauma is, a lot of us have this perspective that, you know, trauma is uh, war or death or a car accident. Um, But many of us utilizing trauma-informed therapies see trauma as anything that overwhelms our ability to cope. So that might look different for different people. We all have different internal resources and resiliency. And so trauma is going to look very different for us all. Um, It might also be dependent on what else is going on in our life. If we have lots and lots of stressors accumulating, our resiliency might be lower and something that we normally would have been able to cope well with uh, might become something that is fairly traumatic for us that we have a harder time coping with and being able to, you know, overcome. Yeah, I know. I actually, before coming to Nomina, left a job that left me rather traumatized. And you wouldn't think that a job would do that, but I did. I I did. I had a lot of trauma. It was a very toxic environment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've been coping over the past couple of years with a global pandemic. And so many of us have been experiencing things that are overwhelming our capacity to cope um, and having less ways in which we previously coped. And so this is something that I've been seeing a lot more of um, recently with the pandemic and also it just bringing up past experiences that maybe folks, you know, had dealt with or were able to get past, but because of, you know, things in the present circumstance um, are now coming back up. And so that's also a part of, you know, my work with clients would be what's happened in the past and how is it impacting the present? So what are the intentions or the goals of trauma therapy? Yeah. So, you know, especially if we are looking at a past experience that was highly traumatic, you know, the goal is not going to be to forget that experience, uh, but it's going to be that we can integrate it into our understanding of ourselves, others, and the world, uh, and be able to cope with it in a healthier and more, you know, resiliency-based way. Um, You know, also, it's about skill building for the present moment to be able to engage in our lives out of a place of, uh, you know, connected with the here and now and 
not stemming from, you know, maybe the leftover fear or the leftover um, hurt from that previous experience. Yeah, I know that fear can be very paralyzing for a lot of us. Absolutely. So, you know, it's funny that you should say that kind of paralyzing sense. So when we have a highly stressful event, uh, you know, some of the psychoeducation I do with my clients, uh, we've heard of the fight or flight response, and we also have the freeze response. So sometimes our nervous system can be so overactivated that we feel like we're constantly living in fight or flight or freeze mode. Um, And so part of my assessment with clients would be, you know, what state are you living in? Are you, you know, in that, what I call window of tolerance, where I'm able to engage with the world, I'm like calm, cool, connected, or am I living in a state of fight, flight, freeze, where I feel constantly, you know, maybe on edge, constantly kind of just like zoned out, not really engaged in my life. Um, And that's a really important sign of, you know, how things are going, how I'm coping, Mm -hmm. which would, yeah, then lead into the beginning phases of, of our work together, which is how can we create more space or capacity to, you know, be calm, connected, and in the present moment. I know I had um, my oldest daughter was uh, killed a number of years ago. And my stress response was crying it, any kind. And it would, I would cry over the silliest things. I found myself in, in a hardware store <laughs> just crying. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't make a decision. Yeah. It, I was completely frozen in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with lots of uh, folks who've experienced a traumatic experience, um, when there's that sort of trigger, and it might not even be related, like yours was trying to make a decision, right? And it just felt overwhelming. And then that emotional response comes up, almost as if that experience is happening again, Hmm. And that can be a really scary experience for a lot of clients. It can be a really confusing experience. And it really just goes to show of how our nervous system, so to speak, is, is stuck, is yeah. stuck in that trauma response. Now, I know my, my daughter, my other daughter was obviously affected by all this as well, too. And she did EMDR and raved about, about it. I, I did some other therapies. Uh, I did some breath work and some somatic work, which was fantastic, but, uh, I, yeah, I never did that. And, and I understand that that's a very good therapy for dealing with trauma. Yeah. So, um, EMDR, uh, you know, when we look at that therapy, it helps us to reprocess a past experience. Um, and so, uh, typically what we used was eye movement. So, you know, the therapist would sit in front of you with their hand in front of your face and it's going back and forth and we're creating this eye movement from side to side. Um, and it helps to stimulate our memory processing system, just like REM sleep. So the hypothesis of how it works is initiating that, you know, sleep cycle which helps facilitate whatever memory is kind of stuck 
and putting it actually, you know, filing it away into long-term storage so that it's not continuously coming back up in the here and now. Um, it's it's kind of interesting since uh, the pandemic and we've moved to Zoom, we've been able to find different ways of doing that. So I actually, with my clients, will do like these butterfly taps that they can ah. do themselves, which actually helps replicate the same sort of back and forth stimulation and works really effectively. So we've been able to adapt to uh, our new virtual counseling as well. Oh, that is so neat. Because yeah. I wondered how that would work with virtual counseling. Because I know a lot of therapists have moved. I, I know we do virtual counseling quite yeah. a bit. Uh, yeah. So there's, I mean, there are lots of different ways. There's still some uh, EMDR therapists that have um, apps on their computer screens. So they can do lights at the bottom of the computer screen and we can still use eye movements. Um, there's audio tones for when you're wearing headphones. Um, but I really like just very simple yeah. and, you know, I'm able to facilitate it alongside the clients and um, yeah, it's, it's been quite effective from my perspective. Mm. Yeah. And the stats behind it are pretty incredible as well too. Yeah. And you had also mentioned, um, you know, that you had engaged with some somatic therapy. And so one of the things I really love about EMDR, I've, I've done a bit of somatic therapies as well. We can really bring in all the senses. Mm-hmm. And so the intention is to be able to explore, um, you know, any type of uh, trigger. It could be um, any type of response, which you know, I've had some clients who have like a real um, felt sense of something or a real felt experience of an emotion. Um, or like a real auditory, like I have this sound in my head. Um, And so we can really target any sense um, and bring in the body and not just um, kind of like that cognitive space that sometimes we get stuck in with talk therapies. Yeah. Yeah. I did find personally that talk therapy didn't work as well. And I know it works great for a lot of people, but for me, I think I needed to be able to sit in it experience it, feel it, but then kind of oscillate out of it and, and yeah, reprogram my brain and how it was, it was just, it hung on to so much and loud noises too. That was another thing that really got me. It was, it was almost like a PTSD response. Yeah. Yeah. And EMDR is good for PTSD too, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So folks who have a diagnosis of PTSD, but I mean, that's not really necessary. Um, so I've had folks who have official diagnoses of PTSD. I've had, um, you know, folks who I've worked with who have anxiety or depression. And we've also been able to utilize EMDR, um, with some targets, um, specified with that as well. Um, so there's lots of different applications for it. And as you know, it's been around since the early 90s. So there's just been more and more research coming out about uh, the different ways in which it can be really effective. But traditionally, it was um, first studied and used with um, veterans with PTSD. Yeah. And on Google or on YouTube, I've noticed a lot of uh, how to do EMDR at home. How do you feel about that? Yeah, so I mean, I have mixed feelings because of course I want therapy to be as um, accessible to folks as possible. 
Um, my concern is also, you know, knowing the emotions that are elicited with any type of traumatic experience or highly stressful experience. Um, I do believe that having that safe container of a trained therapist is really important, especially if you're going into something that's, you know, a really big, um, big traumatic experience that's going to have a lot of emotion. And, you know, sometimes with my clients when we're setting up a target, um, we might have a target memory that we're working with that session and they rate it about, oh, it's about a three out of 10. By the time we actually sort of step back into that memory and we recreate the scene and we kind of re-immerse the person in it, it might have jumped up to an eight out of 10. Yeah. And so it can bring up some really strong responses. And so that's, you know, my personal perspective would be that, you know, having that safe container of a trained therapist is really important. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. And then having somebody who's experienced with some talk therapy as well too, to kind of incorporate that into, I know for me, there was times where I was an eight and it was nice that I was in a safe, safe place to be able to do that. I don't think I could have done it on my own. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, sometimes we want to think that therapy might be linear and, you know, I'm here for EMDR and this is the protocol that we're doing. And I find that, you know, we sometimes bring in other pieces. Some days it's, you know, I need to do some like talk therapy about this acute problem that's come up this week only. And, you know, maybe that's what we do. Um, Or, you know, having a really strong somatic response to something that we're doing some EMDR reprocessing with, you know, I might be able to bring in some of that somatic work uh, alongside our EMDR reprocessing. So it can be kind of nice to be flexible as well with what comes up in session. And, you know, I find that as, you know, a therapist with a few different types of modalities, um, that's something that's really important that I bring to my practice is that flexibility and, you know, being able to work with whatever comes up for the client. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people ask this, uh, and, and we can't really put a timeline on it, but I know a lot of people want to know how many sessions does it generally take or how long is the process? Yeah, so that would be very variable. Uh, when we get into reprocessing work, um, typically a session or two for each target memory that we have um, is all the all that it takes for the reprocessing portion. Um, now to kind of have somebody well-resourced to get into the reprocessing session, that's really variable depending on, you know, the amount of, it's like inner resource someone has, the ability to be able to revisit some of those challenging events. Um, you know, when we're in the midst of a reprocessing session, we're basically stepping one foot back into that memory and keeping one foot grounded in the present moment here with me, the therapist. And so I do have to ask my clients to re-immerse themselves to a degree in that really challenging experience. And so that can be really hard. And in order to do that in a safe way, I want to make sure that my client has lots of skills and inner resource that should they feel it's too much, we know we can come out. 
So I use the example um, or the sort of metaphor, um, Dr. Peter Levine, who's, um, you know, the guy with uh, somatic experiencing therapy, he talks about the trauma vortex. So with my clients, I like to describe it, you know, we're looking at the river of your life and you have a traumatic experience, which is a whirlpool. You and I, clients, we're not just going to jump into the river and swim towards the whirlpool and hope for the best. Um, You know, that's not going to be really great planning on our part. Uh, We might, you know, put a life jacket on. We might have an inner tube around our waist. We might try to find a life raft um, and then fully equip ourselves before we kind of paddle up to that whirlpool. And so that's the resourcing phase, which is the first um, kind of phase that I would do within a trauma therapy protocol is creating like, what are our life rafts? How do we make sure that we don't get sucked into that trauma vortex? And we have the skills and tools to be able to manage in day-to-day life. That makes sense. Now you mentioned that you do online sessions Mm -hmm. and I know you're located in Comox or Courtney, Courtney, BC. So if um, somebody did want to have a session with you, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, you can find uh, my profile on the nominawellness.ca website. Uh, you can also search for me on Psychology Today, um, which is a great website to find any therapist in your you know, local region as well. Um, I do also have my... Uh, registered social work license in Ontario. So I'm able to provide virtual support to clients uh, living in Ontario as well as throughout BC. Hey, well, thank you so much, Samantha. And again, if anyone would like to get a hold of Samantha, visit nominawellness.ca or give us a call and we would be happy to put you in touch with her. Please make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share. It really helps our channel to reach those who need it. So thank you and have a wonderful day.